Hey, Jason, I got a quick question. Yeah, Jim. Where are you going to be on Wednesday, July 10th? Well, it's not where I'm going to be. We, Jim and Jason, we are, we are going to be at a live event on July Another 10th. Another live event. I Another love live those. event. I can't promise we'll be there the whole time, but the live event is from 2 to 8 o'clock on July 10th, and it is about cobots solving the manufacturing labor challenge in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm being kind of, you know, I'm not giving all the details You're going to be elusive, away. huh? I'm going to be elusive. But email, you have to pay to get into this event, but Jim and Jason have the connection. So email me, Jason at makingchips.com, if you are in the Chicagoland suburbs and are available on July 10th between 2 and 8 p.m., you can talk with Jim and I. And also, we're going to have a Hall of Fame football player from the Chicago Bears Super Bowl 1986 team there to give a speech, and it's going to be good. Yeah, he's going to be on at 7.30 p.m., so guide your arrival time around. Then There's also going to be free food trucks there and craft beers. It's so. going to be a good event. Email me, jason, at makingchips.com. Bam. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jason Zenger, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Carr. How you hey, doing, Jim? I'm doing well. You sound like you're a little nasally over there, bud. I am. I know. Yeah. I'm a little sick. It was kind of going around our office, and then you know I was on vacation in an airplane, and uh, you know it's yeah, just- Yeah, I know. I think it just got me, and I'm just having a hard time breathing. Well, I heard you sniffling and sneezing, and I went over and took a Zycam right away because yeah. I didn't. I don't want that. Maybe anyway, I need a, can you grab one you, of those for me? Have you ever had one of those Zycam? Before? I'm not trying. To, <laughs> Zycam is not a sponsor, but I, I swear to God, they honestly do work. Yeah. As a matter of fact, give me one of those. Yeah, I'll, I'll right after we finish this recording, okay. I'd be happy to to help you out there. But yeah, we're here. We're at, at MXD. We are here at MXD today, and it always feels good to drive into Goose Island, Chicago. I get my little city fix because, you know, I'm not in the city anymore, so I don't get that feel good anymore. Yeah, you're just another boring I'm just another boring suburbanite, living the dream out in the northwest suburbs, but it's okay. We had our time out in the city, and I'm good. I've got a new vision in my life, and that's what I'm trying to work toward. Yeah, so... Jim, this is going to be an episode that's going to hit very close to home It is for us. But before we even get there, what is keeping you up at night right now? Well, you know, I, I thought about it for a while because in, in preparation for this episode, it's keeping it all together. We're juggling a lot with making chips, juggling a lot with our respective manufacturing companies. We're doing a lot. And you don't even have any kids at home. I don't have any kids at home. And it's difficult. I'm very involved in, in the manufacturing company and I'm very involved in making chips. And I worry sometimes that it, it's spreading me a little too thin. My wife sometimes says. So anyway, I'm managing it, but it's okay. I've got it. But hopefully through this episode, I can learn a little bit from our guest, who's a, a very special guest, a very, very special guest, about learning how to reduce some stresses by implementing some tech stack things into our businesses. How about you? What's keeping you awake? Thanks for asking. I wasn't sure if you were going to. <laughs> Talk about me. <laughs> exactly. So my, mine is very similar, what's keeping me up at night. It's just it's a matter of, like you said, spread too thin. It's a thing. It's a very real thing. Burnout is a real thing. And being spread too thin. And I had gotten to the point in, in my career where I was only working on the things that 
I was most passionate about and where I am best and where I'm the right person in the right seat. And then as we took like a big leap and we grew, it kind of spread me out and, you know, put me into other areas that I don't necessarily want to do. I'm not necessarily the best person to do that, but I'm just trying to fit some capacity because we're having capacity problems and I have to fill these other roles. So that's that's what's keeping me up at night is that mm-hmm. I need to get myself back to where I'm best suited, which is leading and managing the company. But that's going to spread you too thin again. No, that's what I should be doing. And I need to make sure that I'm leading other people to be doing the things that I that I don't need to be doing. Oh, instead of doing those yep, things. Exactly. So what has happened is through growth and new opportunities. I've had to take on responsibilities. Right. So you want to give those responsibilities exactly. back I, I, yep. and you want to delegate them down. Yep. Exactly. So somebody else is doing them, so you've got more time for yourself. That That's tough. It's hard. It's tough to give away things to do, and you have to find the people that truly know how to do them. Absolutely. As well as you. Absolutely. And somebody that you can trust. Yes. And absolutely. count on. Absolutely. Yeah. That That's a tough thing. Yeah. So do you have any manufacturing news for us, Jim? I do, as a matter of fact. We talk about this all the time, about manufacturers and everyone's crying and wincing over in the corner about they can't find people, right? But the fact is, and it's funny, Nick Golner, one of our partners, sent us this article as a thought to use as a manufacturing news article. And as I was previewing it and decided to use it, I thought, man, there's some pretty steep metrics here. And it just starts out, this is from Industry Week. It says 89% of small manufacturers can't fill job openings. We know, everyone knows, the metalworking nation knows, but what I didn't know is this. And it goes on to say an overwhelming majority, 98.6% of American manufacturing companies. So nearly, nearly 100% of American manufacturing companies are small businesses and 75% of those businesses have fewer than 20 employees. Have fewer than 20 employees. Yeah. Think about that. That's, that's Think about staggering. all the manufacturing companies from coast to coast, north to south, east to west, all of those manufacturing companies across this entire country. 75% have less than 20 employees. I had no idea. I yep. knew it was big, but I didn't think it was that big. Yeah, I, I would be interested in seeing what the percentage of people that are employed at small versus large manufacturing companies, what oh, that differential huge. is. It's absolutely huge. Well, it's going to be less than 98%, obviously. Right, right, right. But of I mean, course. I would be interested to see what that statistic looks like. It also says that those small manufacturing businesses generate 11.6% of the U.S. economic output. So <laughs> so that's interesting as well. I know it used to be a lot higher, and we, we right. moved wasn't more towards it, service. Wasn't it pushing more towards 20% it was, it was, one time? Yeah, it was closer to 20 or maybe even above 20. And so it has definitely has dipped down, but... It's still a very sizable percentage of our U.S. economy. And it does say, and we know, and I'm sure the metalworking nation that's listening to this right now, we're not telling you anything new, but shifting skill sets due to advancing technologies, misperceptions of the manufacturing jobs, everyone still thinks it's grandpa's doom and gloom, dirty, dingy, manufacturing. Why are we still living in the past like this? I, you know, it's been decades. Why can't we peel this, this perception away? It drives me nuts. The manufacturing business, we drive this economy. Uh, we don't have to tell. We've been beating this drum for five years now. 
if there was no manufacturing in this economy, we would be a, a very poor country. But we need not. to create. In order for an economy to be fruitful, you need to be able to create something. And and that's where like so many of these other countries out there that only rely on their natural resources or, or tourism or other things, they're just you know, like they, they're not as strong. Yeah, well, like yeah, there's, there's so many examples of those yeah. things. Yeah. But anyway, let's get back to this. Yeah. So what can you and I do? And I know we're a small little manufacturing podcast, but what can we do to change this perception about our industry well, I that think we we're know doing love? It. We're doing it. I mean, we're talking about how fun and exciting manufacturing is. And I think that there's so many companies that are doing that same thing. I mean, with like robotics and AI and electronics and sensors and all that kind of stuff, I think it's starting to make manufacturing exciting. So before it used to be kids wanted to, they wanted to be a programmer so they could build websites. Well, now I, I think that they see that the manufacturing economy is interesting and they can hold a physical product that they help create as opposed to just saying, hey, go to this website for, for whatever I created. I think that that's starting to drive some of the excitement with the, the newer generations. So why don't we move on to our, our guest, and I will introduce him. His name is Caleb Mertz, and he is, a, of course, a part of the Making Chips team. He is our, in EOS terms, our integrator, which means he integrates all of the functional areas of the business and brings them all together in order to create the output that we want to create on Making Chips. And does a very good job of it, does a very I, good, I might add. He does a very good job of it, and his official title is Making Chips team lead. And so, Caleb, I know that they've heard your voice on Making Chips before, but welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's really good to be here. I get to see a lot from the outside, and now it's fun to be here on the inside, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Caleb, tell the the metalworking nation that doesn't know what happens behind the scenes at Making Chips, and especially Making Chips 2.0, because we have grown from... Just Jim and Jason. Jim and Jason from a weekly podcast. Now we have a team to a team of seven people that also has marketing services. We're a marketing agency. So I want you to share with the Metalworking Nation a little Jim, bit about- Jim, I think about- the term nowadays is growth agency. We're, okay. a, we're a growth agency for manufacturing leaders, I think is what, what we call ourselves. Whatever you want to call it. We do have those services available to anyone that wants to. But nonetheless, tell the Metalworking Nation a little bit about what you do on a daily basis so they can get an idea on how you're going to help them integrate their tech stack. Yeah, well, basically it started when we went off on Making Chips 2.0 back in 2018, at the end of 2018. We had a lot of vision for where things should go for this new version of Making Chips going from two guys on a podcast. Working part-time, is, yeah. Working, exactly, with full-time jobs running companies to having a full team that we're getting close to, actually almost close to 10 people now. Wow, and the expectations were high. Exactly. So, yes. like, as a little bit of analogy, it went from Jim and Jason managing our checking account basically through uh, <laughs> through the logging into the bank account to <laughs> we need to actually review financials on a monthly basis. So, I mean, things had to change and they had to change rapidly. And so, you integrated a lot of software into the company in order to help automate those things. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. So, back in December, when the new Making Chips 2.0 was founded at the time, there were just a lot of things that needed to be learned about starting this new agency, especially on the side of business logistics. And a lot of that had to be done just of us internally. We couldn't hire people right away. We had no revenue right away, of course, the struggles of a startup. And because of that, I had to find other solutions. It couldn't just be me sitting there all day manually doing work. We had to find 
fairly cheap solutions to be able to automate the things that we shouldn't be spending our time doing. Absolutely. So, Caleb, what's a tech stack? What is a tech stack? Yeah, so a tech stack, a lot of it's known in programming. Like if you just Google search it, you'll see a lot of definitions on the programming side of things, of different programming languages and frameworks integrated together. But the way we use it in the agency space and beyond that, even just for every company, is simply that they're the technology tools that you use to run your business well and make it more successful. ERP, accounting software. Accounting, payroll, finance, analytics. I mean, every company, unless you're doing... Pen and paper for everything. Every company has a tech stack. Are you doing pen and paper anymore? Uh, no, no, no. If you're still doing pen and paper, you're so, going to be I out mean, of business. There's soon. nobody. There's nobody out there that's that's just doing. Well, well they're probably nobody. Never say yeah, never. That, say never. Always remember that. to never yeah. say always. So and never. almost ninety nine point nine 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 percent of companies out there have a tech stack, and it's in just some a capacity, of, yes. Like, do you have the right tech stack? Or in, in you know, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk about that, but it's a matter of. Is it robust enough? Yeah, so why, um, why should we care about what our tech stack is? Yeah, perfect. Here's the main thing. You as manufacturing leaders in this industry, you talked about what keeps you up at night. And a lot of that, in the end, has to do with the certain dollar amount you're looking at, right? No matter what that is, whether it's shipping on time or operations, whatever it might be, in the end, it's, it's that bottom line. And basically, the whole theory behind what I have to say here and what I've been doing over the past couple of months is to have an impact on that bottom line. To make so it sure should be you driving your profitability. Exactly. That you don't have people doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And basically, it's the theory of you can do anything manually, but a lot of times you don't want to. Right. I mean, it's the same reason why you probably, why you buy a robot or a, a collaborative robot in your shop is because you want to drive more money to the bottom line. And the same reason you implement technology in your tech stack or change your tech stack is because you want to drive money to your bottom line. Let's say we didn't know each other. Let's say I'm one of the people that are listening to the show right now. What what are the types of tech solutions that a small manufacturing company could immediately start to implement and integrate? So we know like accounting software, QuickBooks Online. I don't think Making Chips is using QuickBooks Online. Car does. And how do all those things integrate with each other. Like, why don't you tell the metalworking nation what happens when we get a new marketing client or we, when we get a new media client and the sponsorship works. So we identify a prospect. That prospect goes into... So let me jump right into there. So yeah. it starts by, we identify a prospect and usually there's some sort of back and forth by email, let's say. So we're emailing back and forth we use Gmail. That may be different for other uh, companies, but that doesn't matter. That integrates directly with our CRM system, HubSpot. Exactly. So every time you're interacting with a new potential prospect, everything is being recorded in HubSpot. That's what we utilize as our CRM and marketing automation system. Yeah. So like as an example, Jim, if you or Caleb or Nick or anybody else emails a client that gets put into the HubSpot CRM, which right. then allows me to be able to go in there and look and say, okay, I want to see every all of the communications with this client and I can see it all there as opposed to calling you up and be like, hey, Jim, did you talk to so-and-so about this? Because I'm really, you know, I had this idea and I can just, without wasting your time, I can just log in and look at those notes myself. Is that, does that make sense, Caleb? Yeah, exactly. And it goes even beyond that. So you can go in and look at that. You might have different people, like in our case, working on the same, what we call 
solid deal on the same prospect. But even further than that, what happens when that actually becomes a sale, right? It gets closer. You want to send a proposal. Okay, they're actually really interested. So it's time for a proposal. So we use a software called PandaDoc, which creates that proposal, makes it look really good. We send that to them through there. What is it, it called again? PandaDoc. PandaDoc. Yeah, it pulls in all the information from HubSpot too. No so you're kidding. Not, you're not entering any data about that person. It already has everything so from HubSpot. So it pulls out the contact name, the name of the company, the address, the zip code, the terms of the contract, everything. It pulls it right through. Pulls it right through. I had no idea. It'll even place it within anywhere you've chosen to place it within that contract. No kidding. So to keep going from there... And this is just an example, so I think it's, right. it's great that we're talking about this. So that person at that company receives this proposal. They move on to sign it. We can see, before they even sign it, though, we can see what they looked at, how long they looked at, what pages. If they sat really long on one page, they might be confused. We can reach out if we need to. But let's say they sign that. Panadoc integrates directly into our accounting software, Zero. So they sign it. It goes to Zero, our accounting software, and automatically creates an invoice with all their information in it, their email, their address, their contact info, creates that invoice for the exact amount. All automated. All automated. I don't touch anything. Wow. It creates the invoice for that Did you know that, Jason? Amount. Yeah, it's pretty, I did, pretty I did crazy, not huh? know this. I did not know this. Yeah, and then for security reasons, I still approve it. So I, it could be sent to them right away, but we always want to review it and we want to make these invoices personal, obviously. So what does it do? Ping you with an email and says that this is, it's just about ready to send an invoice to John Doe. And yep. then you have to just sign off on it by Exactly. I just say approve and it sends automatically. In that invoice that the customer receives, there's links directly in there that they can pay from. They click those links. They can pay the amount that, that's due for that contract. And then that goes straight into our accounting software and into our bank directly. And it's right away tracked. So in our accounting software, we already know they paid. We don't have to go in manually and say, hey, they paid. It happens by itself. Well, first of all, how many different technologies are we utilizing at making chips? A, that's the first question. How many different peripherals? And then B, is 100%, well, obviously not 100% of all those peripherals are totally integrated. But I think more importantly is how long did it take to set it all up? Yeah, that's a great point. I actually have in front of me here a little flowchart of all of the software in our tech stack. That's crazy. And There's like 20 of them on yeah, that sheet. It looks like a lot. And we'll does, actually be posting this up. I'm going to be writing an original article that'll go on making chips. And you can check it out and take a look at what this looks like. And when you look at it, it's pretty crazy. And it might deter you. But the reason that it doesn't deter me is because I barely touch any of these. Like you're saying, it's one setup. But once in a while, I have to go in on one of these and approve something or make sure it follows the workflow. But I've set this up, and now it functions pretty much by itself. It looks like so, every the foundation is HubSpot, though. Or it that's is, where it, it starts. It is for a lot of us. Yeah, for a lot of, of what's going on here, it does, because a lot of the prospects come in through that location. But to answer your question on how long this took, it did take a couple months to get everything in place the way it needed to be to run a business. But here's the thing. We were starting a business pretty much from scratch. This was brand new with new employees. We didn't have employees before. So there was a lot of systems that needed to be in place. You already know most of the business owners, unless they're starting a brand new company, know the procedures that they're already taking. They already know the processes that they're currently doing. And if you lay that out and flow that out, you'd very easily be able to make this a lot quicker of an integration. So did you count how many different 
applications we're using at, at one time or any particular day? Currently, we actually use 15 applications just on the side of accounting, wow. finance, and operations and HR. So that seems like a lot. It does. It does. It does seem like a lot. 15 different things. And then besides that, we actually go out and more on the marketing side, we have almost 15 or 20 again. And but like the, as an example, Jim, so like I probably know a little bit more about what Caleb's doing with this. So for the payroll, when he enters the payroll and it gets processed, it flows directly into our accounting software. So he doesn't have to go in there and make a journal entry and enter what the payroll records are, which I think you probably end up having to do. They no, we, we do it through QuickBooks. They, okay, so we do you, our payroll the, right okay, through so QuickBooks. you do your payroll in QuickBooks. And making chips, we have two separate systems for payroll. We have What do we use? We use Gusto for a payroll, and oh, then we Gusto, use Zero yeah. for our accounting. And so those two things get integrated with each other, so Caleb doesn't have to do anything. Exactly, and it goes even... Beyond that, we also have our 401k, which goes through, it's called Guideline. Yeah, and that's and integrated that also. It's also directly with that. And so that's all synced together. So that 15 pieces, that's just accounting, finance, HR, and operations, may seem daunting, but that's what was necessary to make it easy on us internally and also to have a better user experience. Because part of what I was talking about with that workflow that we were looking at, with sending out an invoice and what that looks like, that's very user-friendly we got feedback actually two weeks ago from one of our current sponsors, and they said, hey, this was like the easiest thing ever. No because kidding. It had, yeah, it was really? awesome because we were quick, because we automated what needed to be automated, and we made personal what should be personal. Jim, what is it you like about Zometry? Well, you know, it's funny. I have been using Zometry to manufacture some of my overload parts, and you know, they're really great with their online technology, how you can just drag and drop a CAD file in and get an instant price. But it's way more than that. They have really nice, intelligent, manufacturing-centric people on their phone lines up until 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time that you can call and get answers to your manufacturing solutions. Yeah, so it's not just online, but go online to zometry.com, X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com. One last question on like the finance and accounting side. So I guess expense reporting has been a pain point for us and, and tell us what, what kind of solution we have in place for that. Yeah, definitely. So we've had this for us and then also for, for a couple other companies actually that we work alongside with in the traditional sense. And this may be different at every company, but in some form, you might have some outside salespeople or might not even be outside salespeople. But especially with outside salespeople, the expense reporting is, is often very difficult to be on because you have to be reminding them, hey, turn this in, turn this in. And half the time, it's some sort of Excel document that has That's certain, what my sales manager uses. Yeah, yeah, which has certain fields and they yep. have to fill out those fields, yep. what they were for, so that the accounting knows what accounts they go to and how they were spent. But even before that, they have to be approved usually by someone if it's a bigger company that might go through them more than one person even. Currently, we're actually in the process of doing this for a client of ours where we have an expense reporting app. One of Making Chips marketing clients, we're helping them integrate this Correct. as a solution? Yes. So they've struggled with a lot of process on their end. And 
it gets it gets confusing really quick and there's just a lot of admin work there. What happens now is, and this is in process, this is about to be completed with this new version, is that these outside sales reps can simply take a picture of their receipts or whatever it might be, and they have a choice of a dropdown in this app of what account it's supposed to go to. Any fields that they need to fill out, they can automatically fill out. And from there, if they click submit, it goes to whoever needs to approve it. So it can go through multiple approvers or one approver. That just depends on the company, obviously. And once that individual approves it, it goes to accounting. And in traditional sense, accounting has to copy and paste from that Excel file. And now it actually goes directly into their accounting software. And they can go in and say, yes, 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 yes. And just basically mark a check mark next to everything to make sure that it goes in directly so that they're not copying and pasting data from an Excel file. Do you think a lot of manufacturing companies out there are wasting a lot of time because they're not integrating their, their tech stack with each other? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of it doesn't matter who it is in general, believe that they're doing things the most efficiently as they can. It's kind of a natural human response. And I've always, <laughs> this may sound odd, but I've kind of always had the, the opposite thought process. I've always thought I can always do this better. There's always a way I can do this better. And I know a lot of manufacturers have that thought process in regards to their shop or their operations or whatever it might be. But I don't think that often comes across their mind in regards to maybe these kind of more minute things that actually add up in, a, in the long run. So why do you think that people believe that it's so difficult to do that integration? You think it's just because the, the whole integration side of things has changed and gotten so much better recently? Yeah, I think the past, I mean, the amount of change that has happened in the past 10, 20 years, it's quite a shift. But on top of the technology side, it really is the thought process side. Kind of like what I was saying, is really digging in and understanding how your employees do what they do. So what are they doing? What are the actual processes? And sometimes if, to be honest, and you might not be doing this as the manufacturing leader yourself, someone else may be doing this if it's a larger company, maybe a manager. But if you sit down for a few minutes and just have them walk through something that they do on a daily basis, you'll probably find pretty quickly how much manual work might be in there. And if you can think of a way that, okay, this is being transferred from here to here, it's probably possible to do it in most instances. If you can find that application, that software that to actually automate that process. Well, what's great is there's also tools out there now that integrate two pieces of software together and that's their only job. So there's a website oh, called zapier.com <laughs> and if you go on there, you can see that's the APIER. Yep, correct. You can if you go on there, you can find a lot of different web applications and software systems and basically say, okay, if this happens in this software, then I want it to send this piece of data to this software. And it's like 10 bucks a month for that or something. Zapier is the conduit for integration between applications. Is that right? Yeah. So we chose our applications mostly integrate natively, which is awesome. But if they don't, there's still other solutions. You can use Zapier to create the link for you. Exactly. And there's other tools like that out there. What if something goes down? That's going to be a problem because we've got all these different applications and we're linking them together. Some that aren't natively linked together and some that you have to use Zapier to help link. What if there's a roadblock? That's no, going to be a, a pain great point. That's a of pain point, man. Something can easily go down and something can happen. And this is what I'd suggest in that case is, again, this does take a little bit to set up. Right, but once it's set up, it automates itself. And at that point, you're saving yourself a lot of money in the end on a lot of admin work being done that doesn't need to be done by whoever it is. It might be by you as a leader or by your employees. But that time spent, if once in a while something does happen, you should have a contact 
that knows that either set this up or knows how those integrations work because that can always be rerouted. Mm -hmm. If a connection does have an issue or something happens, you can always, to put it in simplest terms, export from one piece of software and import into the other. You should always have the expectation that it's not going to work perfectly all the time. And that should never be the reason to hold you back from trying to do some of these integrations. It's pretty and scary, though. It is. But I you mean, know, you know, you, Jim, does your do your machine tools work perfectly all the time? No, no. mistakes happen. Yeah. And, you know, machines run down. It's and mostly mistake changes are... in software and that might cause integration issues. But I think just like with machining, if you have some kind of quality control over the integrations and you're you're checking on those things, then you're, you're going to find where it breaks down and then fix the problem. But I think in the long run, you need to be able to do these integrations in order to provide that efficiency. Caleb, what, what does a manufacturing leader need to do now in order to get their company moving in the right direction of automating through some of these technology stack integrations? Start by really mapping out your current processes. Right? Okay. That's, that's important because you don't want to just jump into a piece of technology before you really know its capabilities. Just because it sounds fun. If it fits fun. you well. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I'll be honest, I've run into that a lot. I love this kind of stuff. So I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, we should do. get this piece of software. It's only $5 a month. But then <laughs> five, the, but five, then, five, 10, exactly. 16. It adds so up like, quick. Yeah. So you want to be careful of that too. You don't want to get too overexcited and, and jump right into it. So really map out those processes. And then from there, you can see what works for you. And a lot of that is... When you say map out the process, you mean like go around, talk to people, say, you know, how do you do this? And see how long it takes them to no, do each I, one of those things. I think what you mean is map out what you need to get done. Map out the process of how your company runs. And then based on that, then you're going to make a choice on an application to select. Exactly. It's, it's both of those. I mean, if you're running a smaller machine shop, for example, you might have a really good understanding of your processes. But still, on the individual level, what one of your employees might be doing, they might have this side spreadsheet that they use to move something from something else. And you don't really know because that's just how they've done it. And why should they tell you that they have this spreadsheet on the side, right? So, Caleb, you, you mentioned in the beginning of this episode that you were actually going to write an article on makingchips.com and you're going to give us a visual representation of what our tech stack looks like in order to inspire the manufacturing leaders out there about how they can bring this kind of automation to their companies, correct? How do, how do we get access to that article? Yeah, if you go to makingchips.com slash tech stack, that's T-E-C-H-S-T-A-C-K. All one word. Yep, all in word. You'll find the article there. That's a short link to go there. But just a side note here, probably the best way to get access to it is making sure to subscribe to our blog, The Boring Bar. And that's simply because that will be sent out along with that in there. And so you'll get access to it right from there. And share with the Metalworking Nation what we just set up with regards to text. Yeah, perfect. So we just made it a lot easier for you to subscribe to Making Chips. If you text chips... So wait, pause. Everybody get out their cell phone. <laughs> Type this number in your texting. Text chips to three eight four seven zero. Three eight four seven zero. And then they'll get an automated response that says what, Caleb? Then it will ask for your email so we can send you send you that boring bar newsletter. Perfect. Again, text the word chips, C H I P S to three three eight four seven zero. Cool. I did it this morning. It was really awesome. Great. Well, thank you, Caleb. And if anybody needs to get a hold of you, they can just email you, Caleb at makingchips.com or have, contact you over LinkedIn. I have one more question. Go ahead, Jim. Okay. So I'm that guy out in Nebraska that's running a five-man machine shop. 
and I'm still doing everything by paper. I'm just creating the scenario. What is the number one application that you think that he can go out tomorrow at a very low cost and start utilizing other than Gmail in his business to make his life just a little bit easier than it was yesterday? One thing. I know there's a lot. You're not going to like my answer. No, but I think that's really hard to say because okay. it, no, it really, no, I, I want it. It really depends on the person, Jim on the company. Questions. No, there's. I know there's people out there that aren't using hardly anything. No, you're. Totally and I don't right. want people to be daunted by this process. I think it's something that you need to take incrementally, and you add on to it as you go, and you have to make good choices along the way. And that's what making chips is all about. We're here to equip and inspire a manufacturing leader. So let's help them. Let's give them. Some some granular information to help them make their life easier to start in tomorrow. Yeah, so it really does depend on the application and, and what your processes look like, like I said before. But we personally, we do build a lot on HubSpot ourselves. So we are HubSpot partners. So if you're ever interested in just some info, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to help with that. And I think it really is, well, I'll say first and foremost, we were talking about this yesterday actually in the office, is being a good Googler. Being a good Googler. Yeah. Okay, what does that mean? Use your free resources that you have in front of me. To be honest, most of the things I've learned have been from just researching things. If I have someone in the office come up to me and they say, Caleb, I don't think this is possible. If I know it's possible, I'll try and help out. But if, if I don't know, I'll ask, did you Google it? And if they say no, I'll say, go Google it. And half the time, there is some sort of solution to it. So it sounds odd, but it almost is a skill to be able to search and find solutions for it. That's how I came across all of these different technologies and how I knew they were integrated because I did the research on it. So part of that is research, but also as a manufacturing leader, you're obviously busy and you might not be spending the time doing research on individual technologies. And I would say five years ago, Jim, like these integrations were not as prevalent as yeah, they are I'm sure they and, weren't. And, and, and now it's just it's where people are going because there's less and less people that are available to do some of these tasks. So we have to find out how to automate our processes in order to do things more efficiently. Yeah, I mean, it's what you and I are doing with our new ERP systems, and it's it's just the future direction of business. And if you're not doing this, you're you're really going to get left behind, or you're not going to be competitive because you're going to have to employ too many people to do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You might as well go either go pen and paper or go full integration. Yeah, so kind of just to sum this up, I, what I really wanted to inspire in Metal Recognition through this is to think about where you're at. We focus a lot on the shop floor, on the automation behind that, on the the data behind that. We track apart how that flows through the shop. Todd Hockenberry did an episode on marketing automation a little bit ago. That's episode 186. You should definitely check that out because that's definitely part of this. But outside of what's happening on the shop floor, are there things you can do to really affect your bottom line? And I think it's just a matter of asking the question and trying to dig in a little bit. And I know there's things in every shop that can be done in a different way. Interesting. Thank you, Caleb. Appreciate that. That was really insightful for me being a partner in this business. I didn't even know half of what you were doing and now I do. But I didn't realize that there was a tool to integrate between the applications. Very interesting. I think that's all we got for me. But you know what is really interesting, Jason? You know, I always say if you're not making chips, you're not making money. But at the end of the day, this is not even related to making chips, metal chips out in the shop. But it's still going to help you make money. That's what I mean. That's what it's just. That's a good thought. Integration, process, just 
pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, learning a little bit more, asking questions. Those are the things that are really going to push you to the next level and make you more profitable to make you more money. Bam. Bam. Metalworking Nation, listen up. Manufacturing is challenging. You need to think differently. The day-to-day whirlwind of urgencies, the pressure to grow, customer demands, workforce development, new machine tools and robots, the list goes on and on. It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips. Hey, Jay-Z, I got a question for you. Yeah. What is the future look like for ERP systems? Well, you know, I think it's all going to be browser cloud-based ERP system. Your data is going to be stored in the cloud. I'm using quote marks. Nobody can see that. Mm-hmm. And people are going to be able to enter those transactions and look at that information from anywhere. I know. And ProShop ERP is great. On Sunday mornings, I grab my pot of coffee. I sit down. I do everything I can right from home using that cloud-based system. So go to ProShopERP.com for more information.